Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Jake, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing. You're, do, you're I'm doing. Here. It is the middle of the week, and I've made it triumphantly. Hope day. To this point. What? <laughs> I said hope day. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'm glad I missed that. Well, I know that's lame. <laughs> Sorry. Our listeners deserve better than that, Dustin. They do. They do. I apologize to them for that. That was awful. Maybe, but that's maybe. all right, because I think we have an actual good episode for them, so that should smooth things over. Yeah, maybe I'll edit that out in the uh, audio-only version. <laughs> no, you leave it. You let people see your mistakes. Absolutely. Show your voice. Oh, yeah, they will see them all. Don't worry. Don't worry. But, yeah, as you said, we have a really good episode tonight. I think it's going to be a fun one. Should be lots of uh, really good discussion uh, going on this week. We are talking sleepers and busts. Always a good one. I know last year we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it was a really good episode. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this. Uh, but first things first, as always, what are you drinking tonight, Jake? Tonight I'm drinking uh, something pretty special. It's a left-hand peanut butter milk stout. So right on the can, it has it's a recent a hand cup. Peanut butter and milk. The assumption should be that it tastes as good or better than a Reese's peanut butter cup. So we'll see. Nice. I like it. What you drinking? I am drinking a beer from across the border in Canada. Eh? I'm drinking Collective Arts Brewing, their blood orange and hibiscus sour. Uh, and it is absolutely delicious. Can I tell you how proud of you I am for still sticking with sours? You've come a long way. I really have. They're really, really delicious. I am not going to lie. I've really turned the corner on them, and I love them. You used to be anti-sour. You used to I be was. like, sour, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And now you're embracing them with open arms. I love to see them. Yeah, well, this is a very light sour. I don't know that I could go the full-blown, you know, like Flanders red sours that are basically burned the inside of your mouth off sour. Can't do that yet. But these, these light sours, I'm all over. They're delicious. It's like IPAs. It's like, I, I'll drink an IPA, but I don't want the IPA that makes me have to, you know, throw my tongue through the spin cycle, you know, just to get the, the burn off mm-hmm. later. Give me something. Give me something with flavor. Not that's going to uh, uh, destroy my mouth. That's right. That's right. So like a too hot Totino's pizza. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Don't do that. The hot lava in your mouth. <laughs> so I already went on a tapped and gave my beer a four star rating. What do you give your your uh, peanut butter stout here? Yeah, I forgot. Well, we both kind of forgot that we were doing the untapped thing. But we're turning over a new leaf. It's all right. We're turning over a new yeah. leaf. We're getting going on it now. So we're back at it. So follow us on Untapped at uh, Drinking Underscore Fantasy if you haven't, so you can see all of the things that we drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give this peanut butter milk stout a three and a half because it's fine. It's good, but it does not taste at all like a Reese's Pieces. So I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated. All right, three and a half. It's in. Boom. That's what she said. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing it kind of right. All right, do we want to move right along to our... Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Let's do it. So where's this one from, Jake? This one I'm very excited about. So uh, I went back and and dug this one out of the vaults of Twitter. At Gray Heisenberg submitted that back in the day, 
which I had clarified was 2016. That's the day he's, he's referring to. So back in the day, he drunkenly sent Melvin Gordon for, drumroll, Kobe Fleener. Straight up. Oof. Yeah, Oof. that's the face. That's the face that should accompany that. <laughs> so That's important. So was that Melvin Gordon's rookie season, or is that his sophomore season? So I, I had to look this up. So this was Melvin Gordon's uh, sophomore season. Okay. Uh, I, well, I'm being presumptive that it was in the off season, you know, leading up to 2016. Right. And it wasn't a mid-season trade. But regardless, it was the sophomore season. He finished inside the top eight running backs three consecutive years from that point on uh, last year being his only real down year because he was out for a few games. Well, that's true, but I, I can kind of understand a little bit. You know, ret- retrospectively, hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. It's easy to see that this was a terrible trade in the long run. But at that time, he had a not very good rookie season where he only scored, I think, one touchdown on the year. And I think he was injured for part of the season uh, and, and didn't play all the games. So it's it's one of those things where he's probably like, oh, Another bust Wisconsin running back in the NFL. I'm going to jump ship on this guy while I can get anything. And Kobe Fleener was still producing at that point. I think he still had a couple years left in the league. So I can understand where he was coming from. But at the same time, like I said, hindsight, it's just not good. (laughs) That was a bad trade. (laughs) I think you're being very kind on this. Uh, I do understand what you're saying because maybe he thought, yep, Melvin Gordon, the next Monte Ball, Mm -hmm. uh, not not a good situation. Bale. But Coley Fleener had one one season, uh, which was two years prior in 2014, where he was a top eight tight end. Had not finished inside the top eight otherwise. Um, He had just moved teams, so he had just gone from uh, Indy over to New Orleans in 2016. I, I will not defend this trade. I think this was a, a, a terrible <laughs> trade. And I, I reached out to Gray on Twitter today and let him know that we're going to be discussing this. Uh, and, and I, I think he knows that there were going to be no pull, no control <laughs> in that situation. So I hope that I'm not, uh, uh, offending him. But yeah, this one is just brutal to look on now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is not good at all looking back now, uh, which is unfortunate because you want all your trades to be wins. It would be nice that that you win all the trades, but no, this one definitely was not whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a delicate way of putting it. This was this. You want to win? This was not that. This was not the way to do it. No. <laughs> how drunk would you have had to be? Let's say now. Let's not even go back to when it happened. Let's say how drunk would you need to be now? Now that Kobe Fleener's out of the league, I guess hypothetically. No, let's do it this way. This would be like a Melvin Gordon for Jared Cook trade now. How drunk would you have to be? Um, fairly drunk, I guess. I don't know. Okay, it, it, like, I guess it's team dependent, really, because is it though? if you have even though we're bored now, if you if you have no tight ends on your team and say uh, uh, an embarrassment of running backs, say you have CMC and Barkley on your team, huh. and you have and you have some jag named Jimmy Graham as your starting tight end. Uh huh. You couldn't say you play the waiver wire, my friend. You play the waiver (laughs) wire. You don't even deign to make that trade. In my opinion, in my opinion, I still would not uh, be comfortable doing it. And I, I think Jared Cook is significantly a better uh, example to use here than Kobe Fleener because Cook, at least, like you've seen the production somewhat consistently the last couple years. But 
it's, no, it's I agree. Trump. It's still going to be a bad trade. I still won't do it. Um, I'm just trying to justify it slightly. I wanted to uh, to undercut your niceness. I wanted to get to the bones of it. Well, thank you for that. That's nice. Yeah, I wanted you to feel and look like as much of a dick as I had felt like and looked like. <laughs> All right, can we move on from feeling and looking like assholes talking about that drunk trade to potentially feeling like less assholes talking about some sleepers and busts? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of assholishness, if that's a word, Uh, because we're going to start start off with our busts. We're going to start on the down note, go go a little negative, and we're going to end on the positive. So we'll do sleeper second, bust first. That's right. It's it's this is the uh, uh, this is like that compliment sandwich. That's right. That people talk about, you know, where you have to you have a critique of somebody, but you have to stuff it in between some nice things. So this is somewhat of our attempt to do that. That is correct, sir. So we are going position by position. We each have one player, the four main offensive positions, and we will talk about our busts and why we think they're going to bust this season. Uh, when we do talk about ADP, just so you guys are aware, we are pulling this from fantasypros.com, their PPR ADP. Uh, that is the 2020 most up-to-date draft is average draft position. So when we say ADP, it's for this year off of Fantasy Pros. Got it? Good. I do. All right. I do. I think we do. So do you want to lead us off here with a bust? I would love to. You know how I like my busts. Uh, I want to talk quarterback busts for this year, and this is a this is a fun one for me to talk about because it's a divisional rival in Kirk Cousins. Always fun to bag on the bikes. <laughs> Always fun, but you know what's been frustrating is I haven't really been able to bag on Kirk Cousins in previous years because he's actually been he's been a respectable mm-hmm. quarterback for fantasy purposes. Well, while not the most exciting option, certainly he's still been respectable. This Absolutely. is the year. This is the year that I think that respectability goes away a little bit for fantasy purposes. He's not even being valued super high for ADP. He's quarterback twenty, but. Quarterback 20 is too high for me for Kirk Cousins. This year. Really? Yes. Ooh, yes that's really, spicy. I know. It's just it's just that <laughs> he doesn't have anybody to throw to that I feel super comfortable of, uh, with. Um, the And the, the thing is, Dalvin Cook should hypothetically, let's say the contract issue is resolved, uh, because I really do think that it will be, because I just don't think running backs are that silly at this point. Mm-hmm. So then you have a, a, a gruesome twosome in the backfield, because I do love Alexander Mass. And while it's not that they can't catch passes, I just really do think that they'll still emphasize the run. Mm-hmm. They may not emphasize the run as much as they did last year in last year's system. But Stefan Diggs is gone. They're replacing, replacing in quotes, him with a rookie who could be good. He was not ranked amongst the top five rookie wide receivers coming into this his class, however, and it's the abbreviated offseason issue. I think the recurring thing that you're going to hear me hammer, at least, in this episode is this offseason is going to crush a lot of people's values, especially rookies, especially rookie-wide receivers, mm-hmm. but in general, it's going to crush a lot of values. So if there's a lot of moving parts on your team, it's probably not going to end super well. So Diggs is gone. Adam Thielen is productive, but is getting up there, and I've raised durability concerns about Adam Thielen this offseason. They may or may not be completely warranted. I understand that he wasn't really injured prior to last year. But once you get to a certain age and you withstand a certain type of injury, 
I think it's reasonable to question that. So I'm questioning that for Thielen. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they have outside of Thielen and the rookie Justin Jefferson that I was talking about. Um, is it Ola B.C. Johnson that we feel super comfortable with if he has to step up? Because uh, I'm not. A lot of people like Irv Johnson this year at tight end, and I don't hate Irv Johnson for fantasy by any stretch. Irv Smith. He's still a second year. Go ahead. Irv Smith. Who? Do, what did I say? Irv Johnson. Ah, oh, god damn it! Those. They're the same name. They're 1A and 1B of, of uh, last <laughs> names in the United States, I have to say. Smith and Johnson. But you're absolutely right. I fucked that up. Um, but Irv Smith, who I do like for fantasy, I'm not expecting him to be a savior for the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Rudolph, I also like, and, and we'll talk about in later episodes, wink, wink. Um, but I, I'm still really nervous just about what he has to work with, and he's not a gunslinger for you. He's not going to be a guy who's just going to chuck it and, and whatever. It doesn't matter that I, I don't have weapons like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Philip Rivers or somebody. And so he could just be a lot more of the dinking and doinking variety this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that on my team. I'm avoiding that at all costs on my team. So when I say bust, and maybe we should have prefaced this, like when we're talking sleepers and we're talking bust, we're not saying that these guys are going to be completely worthless for fantasy. Right. But just what your expectation is of them, I still think that Kirk is going to bust. All right. Fair enough. Uh, before we uh, touch on my quarterback, have you seen the videos out there that the Vikings are doing with Kirk Cousins? No. How gross are they? So it's a video. It's like, show us catching your pass from Kirk Cousins. So it has Cousins grabbing the ball and throwing it. And then people have to splice in them catching the ball. So it's like they're catching a pass from, from Kirk Cousins. But they're auditioning other wide receivers right now. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Uh, so the, the one that I saw uh, on Reddit, of course, uh, Green Bay Packers trolling the, the Vikings page, um, they had one where the ball sailed about five yards over the guy's head and like way past him. And the guy's like, I thought that was terrific. I loved it. <laughs> it's just that recreation of uh, Stefan Diggs uh, miss from, from last season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. More easy thing to watch. Now, yes, also thank you for bringing it up. Uh, Packers Homer, obviously, you know if you're watching this and if you've listened to us in previous episodes at all. So I'm sure that probably taints my view of Kurt just a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Uh, and this, speaking of homers, my quarterback is... Aaron Rodgers, that I think is going to be a bust this season. Again, based on where he's being drafted, and here is why. And it, and it hurts my heart to say this. It really does. Because uh, I've loved Aaron from the very beginning, ever since he uh, swaggered his way on the field. Uh, he's been outstanding. So right now, he is currently ADP quarterback 10 off the board. While he can still have big games, I don't think that that's going to be his MO anymore. We're not going to get those 400-yard, four-touchdown games from him very often anymore. Can he still do it? Absolutely. He's still got it in him, but the offense has changed. With LaFleur in town, we saw it last year. They're a more run-oriented offense. They want to ground and pound, passes out of the backfield, quick passes. You know, They're not going the big bombs downfield. It's not Rodgers scrambling for 20 seconds on each play and then chucking it 50 yards down the field finding Jordy Nelson wide open for a touchdown. like that. Those days are past us. We don't have the wide receiver core for that anymore outside of Devontae, and, and that's just not what the offense is focused on. And, and we saw it last year. He had the one outstanding game against the Raiders, and then the rest of the season, I mean, he was fine, 
But I, I honestly, I think he's going to finish outside the top 12 this season. Again, hurts my heart to say that. He'll be a perfectly good, real NFL quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's still going to have his probably, you know, 3,500 yards and mid-20s for touchdowns and his three or four interceptions. Like, like his style of play isn't going to change, but they're just not going to ask him to shoulder the load anymore. And that's what scares me. And that's why I think people are still going to draft him based off of his name recognition and based off of his past of what he's done. Yeah. And it's like, who did they, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum now, but look at their draft and who did they add? Granted, with this rookie season and the, in the weird offseason, maybe those additions wouldn't have really helped him regardless. But it's just what you're expecting from the same crew. I guess you're expecting giant leaps from Alan Lazard, and they brought in Devin Bunches, so you're hoping that he's a touchdown maniac, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, MVS, could he be a thing? Equinemius St. Brown, could he be a thing? I mean, they're relying on a lot of young, unproven talent still at this point. And like I said, outside of Adams... There's not much there in the receivers. I think your best case scenario for Aaron Rodgers this year is that he looks like Ryan Tannehill last year, just like hyper efficient, uh, mm-hmm. which I get he can do. That's not out of his range of possibilities, but that's really what you're hoping for because it's not going to be a volume game. <laughs> I mean, it, I suppose if you're going for a late round QB and he is still on the board, you know, around that ADP, you know, the 11th, 12th quarterback off the board, Sure, if you want to take a chance on him, because uh, he, he he can still do it. Uh, it's just a question of the offense. You know, is is the offense going to open it up and let him do that? I don't think so. Yeah, sadly, I agree. I hope mm-hmm. for good things from a team perspective, but yeah, I'm fading Rodgers mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. So running backs, this is going to be a fun conversation to have after the episode airs, and <laughs> I have to deal <laughs> with the repercussions on Twitter. Um but I'm just going to come out and say it that for running back, my biggest bust is Joe Mixon. And I'm, I'm not sorry <laughs> for what I'm about to say at all. Uh, the Joe Mixon truthers, though, they are fervent over this man. Mm-hmm. He is currently valued as QB7 mm-hmm. in PBR formats, according to Fancy Bros. That is outrageous. I don't care how you slice it. That is patently outrageous. And I'm saying this understanding that Joe Mixon is a talented running back. And I've never questioned his, his talent, um, but I question how that talent is going to show itself on that offense. The offensive line has been real, real bad. And I understand that folks are anticipating an upgrade because mm-hmm. of their draft pick from last year who missed time, or who missed a whole year, rather. Uh-huh. And so he's coming, he was a high draft pick, I think first round. First right? rounder, yep. So that should end these woes. And they have a dynamic quarterback coming in with Joe Burrow. We think. Right. That's the other deal. It's like, we just talked about this. Again, I'm sorry to keep hammering this, but the weird offseason. This is a very weird offseason. You need time for teams to gel when there are a bunch of new pieces. That offensive line piece, that's the big first-round draft pick last year, still needs time to be able to gel with the other O-linemen. The the rookie quarterback needs time to gel and get used to the system. Now there's no preseason games that are, are happening for the NFL. The offseason was already going to be shortened. You're expecting a lot of these fresh pieces to come in and fix everything. And I don't know that that's possible for mm-hmm. him. I think his ceiling is basically what you saw last year, this year. And, and, and I think that's his ceiling. And I think if I'm correct, he still finished just outside the top 10 for running backs. Mm-hmm. So that's possible that he sniffs a fringe running back 
one season. I, I still don't think that's going to happen. I'd feel more comfortable, honestly, if they kept Dalton around at least. Like, this is that off-season mentorship uh, narrative that got mm-hmm. thrown around. Like, they shipped off Dalton. Well, who's going to mentor the new guy? And that's so much more important now than ever. So I don't know. Maybe they just rely on Mixon so much more because of uh, the rookie quarterback. That could be an argument for him. I still don't really see it, and I'm still super nervous to, to draft him. Can I also just throw out a quick addendum? So he's my main focus here, but I'm expecting a lot of bus of like lead workhorse running backs this year because of the COVID situation. I just mm-hmm. threw this out on Twitter. I think you're going to see an emphasis on using workhorse running backs more due to the COVID situation, and then maybe wanting to keep guys off the field that might otherwise spell guys to like kind of reserve them in case the main guy has to quarantine, and then you don't want him infecting the other guys. So I think it's going to be like a lot more run-through of dudes in general. <laughs> so I'm in general trying to get, quote-unquote, workhorse running backs that are further back in ADP just in case. But anyways, that's... Mm-hmm. Sorry to have to add an addendum to that, but I, I felt it worth noting. Oh, never apologize for that. <laughs> All right. So, who is your running back to uh, to Buffalo? So, I will probably get a lot of uh, hate and discontent for this pick as well, because again, as you said with Mixon, a lot of truthers out here for this guy, and, and I don't deny the talent. It's the situation. Uh, so, my running back is Nick Chubb. I know he had an amazing season. Yeah, you're going to He's he he's currently going off the board as RB ten. I don't see him finishing anywhere near that this season. Uh, and, and and I know people are going to hate this take, but from week nine on last season, when Hunt came off the commissioner exempt list or the suspension, I should say, and returned to the field, Hunt had more touchdowns than Nick Chubb. He had more receptions. 37 to 11. He had more receiving yards, 285 to 117. And they were only two points apart in total fantasy points scored in that time frame, the second half of the season. Chubb had two more points uh, 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 than, than Hunt. We know they're going to have a new offense this year. And, and we know from watching the Vikings, Stefanski is a run-oriented, likes to use his running backs, uh, the two tight end sets. We saw Dalvin Cook get uh, a fair amount uh, of passes, nothing significant, but Kareem Hunt is the real deal. He he was the number one overall running back a few years ago. Like this guy is dynamic. They're not going to keep him off the field just because they invested a high draft pick in Nick Chubb. And, and the stats show what happened when he came back last year. So if, if if those things continue for this season where there's a little bit more of an even split, uh, I just see Nick Chubb's value going way down, and I don't see him finishing in the top 10 this year at all. I think he's going to get drafted there, and it's, people are going to be sorely disappointed. He is going to bust big time. Oh, big time. That's You're not fucking around with this one. This is not just a couple of spots off the ADP. You're talking uh, a big dip. I currently have him in my projections. Finishing as RB23. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know really what to say to that. That is wild. Um, you, you don't have to say anything. Just just let it uh, marinate. Let it sit. I'm, right. I'm going to 
just read off your Twitter handle for the people. <laughs> that is at FF Dusty Dog. That's the person that you want to talk to about this. That's right. I will say I would feel great about Chubb in the new system if it was somebody like Duke Johnson back there with him. Right. No disrespect to Duke Johnson. Absolutely. Duke Johnson is not Kareem Hunt. So, yeah, I think you are right to be nervous about that. I think the offense as a whole bumps him up, but Hunt just, just smushes him. He smushes him so much. Exactly. That That's my big concern. If it was just someone else back there, just a regular old backup running back that you really didn't have to worry about, I, I, I would have him much higher. I'm not going to lie, because the talent is there. He's an amazing running back. It, it's not about me hating Nick Chubb and thinking he's a bad running back. It's the situation he's in with Kareem Hunt being there. Yep, yep, 100%. I I am with you, but not to the extent that I want people to <laughs> angry at me for both my pick and your pick, so I'm putting you on an island with the Nick Chubb. That is just fine. But that's all right, because I'm going right back to some hatred here with the wide receiver position. And look, I could have went a safer route in choosing this person for a bust. For those of you who don't know, we're going to be doing an episode coming up that is our Red Flags episode, which is players that we are just outright avoiding. Those guys are a much harsher, like we're completely off them situation. This is more of just be cautious, be weary. So when I say this, please don't expect uh, the absolute worst. But DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins, I think is very bustworthy this year mm-hmm. because of where his ADP is. He's still sitting at wide receiver three. Ooh. And I understand the impulse. Yeah, I understand the impulse for him to be up there because look at what he's done over the years and look at what he's mm-hmm. done with bad quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. He's still been very good with bad quarterbacks, but he has not been a top three wide receiver with bad quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is a bad quarterback either, so let's, let's squash that before that gets out of control. But what I am saying is that this whole thing about people transferring to new teams in the offseason, we talked about it on this podcast before, wide receivers who change teams in the offseason typically get about a 10-spot bump down from where they finished the year prior. Mm-hmm. Some of the outliers are like your Brandon Cooks. He just goes and he does better somehow every time he changes teams. Um, because he does one thing and he does one thing very well. He's not necessarily as complete uh, as somebody like D-Hop. And he's not asked to do as much as D-Hop will be asked to do. But now factor in again, sorry, the COVID shortened weird season. I am so far away from him as a wide receiver three. I posted my early rankings on Twitter and I had him. I only posted the top 10 for each position. And there was a lot of where's D-Hop? Why isn't DeAndre Hopkins in this top 10? That's absurd. And he's not outside of wide receiver one territory, but I would not be shocked at all if he finishes as a high-end wide receiver two. And there's no need to draft him at where he's being drafted to get that return. Mm-hmm. Because there are guys that are going after him that I have a lot more confidence in, like your Tyreek Hills, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin. All those guys should be above DeAndre Hopkins for their ADP. So yeah. just temper expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And also, there's guys that are going after Hopkins, other guys, that may finish in that maybe 10 to 12 range where you, where you have Hopkins that have a higher ceiling than what Hopkins has. Uh, I, I think in the, in the Arizona offense that his ceiling is going to be capped a little bit just with their, their spread offense, getting the ball to the running back. Uh, it's a little bit more complete offense than what he's ever had at Houston. 
So with that, and then you have your guys like Tyler Lockett and McLaurin and AJ Browns of the world, uh, a lot of younger guys that that have a tremendous ceiling if things go the right way for him, where I, I feel like Hopkins ceiling is a little bit more capped, safe floor, but a capped ceiling as well. Yeah, like I don't see top three in his range, but I do see, you know, he could force his way into the top six if a lot of stuff went right. right. Then I mean, he could Yeah, he's still extremely talented. He's, you know, that hasn't changed. But yeah, I agree with everything you said. Oh my! Well, just keeping on, even on that phrase. Uh, let's keep the good vibes going here with your, oh, well, bad vibes, I guess. With your yeah. yeah, I'll probably get a lot of hate for this one, too, uh, which is fine. Bring it on. It doesn't bother me. So my wide receiver bust for this season is Calvin Ridley. Everybody, the hype train is out of control for this guy. And I just don't understand it. He He's going as wide receiver 17 off the board, uh, which doesn't sound that bad. But I just, I don't know. I, I People are expecting the offense to be very high-powered, which it could be. Don't get me wrong, uh, which I will end up talking about in my my sleeper section a little bit. Um, Spoiler alert. But he's going into his third year, and I know people were very high on him after his first season. Well, he he had um, 821 yards, 64 receptions, and 10 touchdowns in his rookie season. So had a crap ton of touchdowns. Uh, for for fairly low volume, really under a hundred targets, uh, that that that's pretty low volume. Last year, uh, granted, he missed three games last year as opposed to the year before, uh, but still posted about the same stats: sixty-three receptions, eight hundred sixty-six yards, and and took a step back in the touchdown department and only had seven touchdowns. I just I don't see why people are drafting him so high. I especially with Julio still there. Julio's going to get the ball constantly. He's the number one target in that offense. That's not going to change. He has not taken a step back at all. Uh, Maybe you could say, oh, they got rid of Austin Hooper with Hayden Hurst coming in. It's not going to be a one-for-one swap. Maybe, but also that is a very tight end friendly offense. So I don't see that changing a ton because that's just how the offense is designed. And then you have a very good pass-catching running back coming in in Todd Gurley. I know he's not the Todd Gurley is what we used to see, but if they open him up and use him in open spaces as opposed to trying to run him right up the gut, you let him get out in open space and then use his speed and agility to break away from linebackers and, and cornerbacks, uh, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And I just, I just don't see the hype in Calvin Ridley, and I think he's being drafted too high. I fully agree with that. He's he's one of those guys that you look at his ADP and it's like, well, it's very clear to me that I'm drafting him at a seal. All right, so I don't want to do that. Let's play the ADP game here. All right. Yes. I, 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 I'm gonna name off the guys going right after him. Okay. Okay. Let me crack a beer first so that I'm I'm fully focused. All right. Okay. All right. So going right after him at 18, Cortland Sutton. Oh, that's actually really tough. Yeah, I, oh. I don't really love Cortland Sutton for this year either, but I think I would still rather have him over Ridley. All right. Um, I know the answer to this next one. Going at 19, which is criminal, by the way, Bobby Woods. Oh, God, yes. I mean, yes. That, that's easy. Bobby Ke- Woods for president. Yeah, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. I know people are super down on Keenan Allen this year because Tyrod Taylor. I'm not that worried, I guess. About yeah, him. same. Uh, DK Metcalf. Metcalf. Ceiling is, ceiling is the moon yeah. for DK Metcalf. 
Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, same same reasoning. DJ Chark. DJ Chark, yes. T.Y. Hilton. It's where it gets dicey, but I'm a believer in drafting guys to get you the best output for the games they play, as long as it's not like a low baller type. So I'm going T.Y. Hilton. So there we went, just about seven guys that that you pretty much went 100% over Calvin Ridley. Yep. Like, that's that's insane. I don't understand. Calvin Ridley I, will be a fantastic flex play for you. I'm right. sure. Absolutely. But not at that ADP. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I don't understand it. Don't understand the hype. Again, not saying he's a bad player. I think he's very talented. I just don't understand why he's, he's being drafted so high, especially in redraft. Dynasty, okay, maybe I can understand it. He's really young. Julio maybe only has a few years, two years left of elite production. Yep. But in redraft, I don't understand it whatsoever. I've heard some thought that this is the year, this is the year that Ridley overtakes Julio, like Julio overtook uh, Rowdy White back in the day. It's like, I don't, I don't see that. No, Sorry. me either. Me either. All right, let's talk All tight right. ends here. Finish up the let's bus. Do it. I'm so excited because uh, before I even realized who you had in your sleeper column, spoiler alert, you want to maybe talk about this in conjunction, in conjunction a little bit, but oh, sorry. I'm cool. So should, should I do my tight end first, and then we can slide into sleeper slash bust with tight ends and, and do it that way? Perfect. Hit us with your tight end bust. All right. So my tight end bust is Rob Gronkowski. He's back in the league. Uh, he's going as tight end nine off the board right now, which for a guy that is historically injured, He's been a year off of football. I mean, I think we all saw the pictures of him after he he uh, quit working out and taking whatever supplements he was doing and how skinny he got. And I'm sure he put on all the muscle again and all the weight and he'll be back up to fighting shape. But he did take a year off of football where who knows what he was doing. He was being Gronk, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. He's on a new team with a brand new offense. Granted, he's got TB12 there, his old binky. But that doesn't guarantee anything. Again, new team, new offense. It's, it's going to be different. And a stat I found interesting when I was doing research on this is that he has not played 16 games in a season since his sophomore year in the league. Mm. Mm. That's I mean, so many years in between now and that. Yeah, I mean, 2018, he only played 13 games. 2017, 14 games. 2016, 8 games. Two years before that, 15 games. Like, he, he, he's got a history of being injured constantly. When he's been healthy and played 16 games, he's been incredible. But again, it's been a long time since he's played a full season, and I just I just don't understand it. Again, it's more name recognition. Same thing with Rodgers. People are, are getting him based off the name and what he's done in the past. But that's because... Uh, Belichick, that's all he did was he, he schemed Gronk properly. I, I don't know if that's going to happen in this offense. Well, and to add to what you're saying also, and reflect a little bit about what I just mentioned about T.Y. Hilton, which is I love to have guys for the production that you'll get, they'll get you in the games that they play. So if he plays 13, you'd hope that he would give you old Gronkian-like uh, production during those 13 games or whatever it is that he plays. But even in his last year that he played in 2018, he was the tight end nine in points per game. So already, I'm I'm not excited with that. And then if you're taking away a few games, which seems to be like a given, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seems impractical to expect him to play 16. 
And he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there. Did he ever have two wide receivers of that capability on the team with him at the same time? I really don't think that he had. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, I'm, I'm off Gronk as well. Um, I hope, I kind of hope he proves me wrong because it'd be fun to see, but also I also hate Tom Brady and, Gron- <laughs> and Gronkowski, so maybe less so. Um, for my tight end bust, and we'll transition right into the sleepers after. Yeah, let's do it. My tight end bust is Mike Gesicki. We've had this conversation in the past, and in fact, we have an outstanding beer bet. We do. About this very thing. We sure do. And I think what's really interesting Dustin, as I was looking at the uh, ADP for this gentleman, mm-hmm. is that he is right on the threshold of our beer bet for current ADP. It's like people went and listened to our episode <laughs> and then plugged it into Fantasy Pros. Because our beer bet, I said that Mike Gesicki will finish outside of the top 15 tight ends. You said he would finish above that. He is at tight end 15 in ADP. We were built to have this discussion right now. My biggest problem with Mike Gesicki is Ryan Fitzpatrick. My assumption boils down to the fact that Fitzpatrick will play more games than people believe he will. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Tua sees the field until at least halfway through the season, barring an injury or or something else. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. So the Tua thing could help him, I think. There's there's uh, at least a narrative out there that rookie t- uh, rookie quarterbacks favor the tight end a little bit more because it's just more of a security blanket or check down passes, etc. Potentially, that would be the case with a lot of rookie quarterbacks. I think Tua could fall that way. But if you watch Tua play, that's not how Tua plays either. Kaseki is athletic, but he's not athletic enough, in my mind, to compete with Preston Williams and even Devontae Parker. Saw a resurgence last year. I think those two guys will be the principal targets, and they will have a better running game than they had last year by default. The Dolphins have to have a better well, running game than they. That's not a high bar, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Is, is by default that has to be better. They have Matt Breida there for, to to siphon some of those dump offs. I believe so. I'm not seeing enough target share for Kiseki to be a value there. And I, again, I'm going to say you're drafting him at his ceiling at tight end 15. I disagree in the strongest possible sense. (laughs) Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So he finished as the tight end 12 last year on a garbage team. I know you could say, oh, Devontae Parker had a great season. Well, yeah, he did. But overall, their team, it, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. Uh but over the second half of the season, he was averaging over seven targets a game, which you really like to see. And for the season, from his rookie season to his sophomore season, he went from 32 targets to 89 targets, uh, over doubled his receptions, over doubled his receiving yards. And where the hell did his touchdowns go to here? Uh, it went to other people. <laughs> Oh, and, and he went from zero touchdowns to five. I think he has a higher higher ceiling for touchdowns uh, in, in this offense moving forward. I actually have him projected as my tight end seven overall this season. So I think he's oh, going to have a great year. For me. Oh, come on. It's not that spicy. That is outrageous. That is, that is outrageous. Outrageous. Can community. I ask what are, do you have your, all of them pulled up, do you have your 8 through 10 tight ends? Because I'd love to get a feel for what the, that crew looks like. Uh, yeah, it's a second here. 
So um, at eight, I've got Darren Waller. Nine, I've got Jared Cook. Ten, I've got Gerald Everett. Eleven, Noah Fant. And twelve, Hunter Henry. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, not that spicy, huh? No, it's just what I am thinking about my own my own rankings, and there's so many guys that I would like to put ahead of him, and and uh, a couple of well, one of them at least we're going to talk about here uh, for my sleeper, but I don't I don't see the world because what you're talking about in the second half of the season where we saw the increase in targets, the increase in in basically everything across the board, that also unfortunately some of that aligned with um, Preston Williams being available and not available. Correct. So. I, I don't trust what he looked like while Preston Williams was on the field versus what he looked like without Preston Williams on the field. And I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't talk about this guy like he's, you know, the second coming of Donald Driver or something like that. You know, this, this undrafted guy, um, who's going to come in and, and crush everybody, but he kind of is. Well, the only Preston reason. Williams is- yeah, the only reason he was undrafted is because he had a lot of off-the-field issues. Otherwise, he probably would have been a mid-round yeah. wide receiver. So it's not like he didn't have the talent leading up to the draft and didn't have the college production. He was very productive. Uh, but but he fell because and of those off-field issues. Yeah. And so that's the thing. You know, when you're talking about the second half of the season, it was without Williams. It was uh, Fitzpatrick relying on Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, and Albert Wilson, uh, Isaiah... Ford or McKenzie, one of the Isaiahs is there. I know um, the fact that I can't even recall their last name probably says a lot about their situation on the depth chart. So uh, that's what has me really nervous about it. So it's it's basically what I think it boils down to. Our argument here is belief of talent versus opportunity, maybe, or you at least believing that his talent is is more so going to get him the targets. Yes, I feel like Preston Williams coming back is going to take away from Parker more than Gusecki. I don't hate that, actually. I don't hate that. I'm still nervous about Brita coming in there to, to steal some of that. Because they had no receiving back after Kenny Drake left, yeah. which was also early in the season. And, I and so again, Maybe, but how much of that was because of San Francisco's offense? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's oh. hard to say. Wait, San Francisco's offense? Yeah, Brita. Brita. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. He gotcha. was on San Francisco hey. last year, and now okay. he moved to a new team. We know San Francisco's a very friendly... Works? Yeah, that is how that works. So he doesn't get to play for both the Dolphins and the 49ers anymore? No. See, I was I was missing that. Oh. Part. That could have been really influential towards my argument. Oh, way to go, Jake. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Enough. Um, so let's talk about my tight end. We'll work our way back oh, up now. I would love to talk end. about your tight end. You, oh, we're going to talk about my tight end. Um, in fact, if, if this, if I can figure out how to share my screen with the viewing public, you don't have to look at my tight end too. Uh, but I'm going with Jack Doyle. I am baffled by the lack of attention on Jack Doyle right now. He is tight end 18, according to PPR ADP at Fancy Bells. So, is there a world where he finishes at or below that? And for me, the answer is no. He's got Philip Rivers coming in. Noted tight end lover. I think he loves tight ends more than I do. And Jack Doyle, just last year, finished as tight end 15. And part of that could be due to the lack of options there, mm-hmm. as we discussed in Kasiki. So Tyler, uh, T.Y. Hilton went down, and Doyle uh, was not hyper-targeted, uh, but he was targeted enough to make him efficient. Um, 
I, I just don't see how Philip Rivers coming into Indy does not boost that man's value through the roof. Because Philip Rivers, when he had healthy tight ends, guys who were actually there and on the field and not constantly recovering, Hunter Henry, then he was making them look fantastic. Some of that was because Antonio Gates is naturally fantastic, I'm sure, as well. <laughs> uh, but you can't discount Philip Rivers' part in that either. And so if you're talking about a guy at tight end 18, he's basically undrafted in your league then. There are very few leagues, I think, that double up on tight end, even triple up on tight end if you have unlimited waiver wire on him. Mm-hmm. So he's basically an undrafted guy for you. And you're drafting him at his absolute floor. I would much rather have him over Mike Kosicki. Um, and I would put him, and in fact, I put out my, my tight end rankings just recently, and he is not only inside the tight end, but he is tight end eight. I mean, Woo! That, that's a bold one. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. All right. I'll go with it. So, do we want to move on and talk about wide receivers? Or do you, do you just want to crush my hopes of, of Jack Doyle here? Because I did the same to you, Mike <laughs> Oh, no. No, I, I don't think he's going to finish that high, but uh, hey, he's your sleeper, not mine. That's true. So you can direct your comments to at Trowbridge on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. That's oh, right. can I say, sorry, this makes it sound like I'm backtracking, but I'm not. I realized that I actually moved Jack Doyle down to tight end 10 on those rankings before I posted them. So oh, still re- already going down. Oh. Still a top 10 guy, okay? <laughs> and I'll move him back to tight end 8 just to prove a point if I have to. Nice. <laughs> All right, who do you have for your wide receiver? Sleeper? So my wide receiver... Uh, is Terry McLaurin. He is being literally slept on this season. He is wide receiver 25 off the board, which is criminal. Uh, last year alone, he was wide receiver 29 in his rookie season in an absolute garbage offense. It might have been worse than Miami's offense. Really. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it was. <laughs> so... so the offense should be improved this, this season. Uh, we did see improvement from Haskins as the season went on. Uh, you know, he only started one year in college, didn't have a ton of experience coming in. They threw him to the wolves because they didn't have anyone else. We did see incremental improvement as the season went on from Haskins, which should only translate to better production for McLaurin this year. Now that they have another off season of working out together, maybe guys, should be healthy, which if he's healthy, it adds another dynamic uh, element to this offense where they can't just focus on McLaurin. Uh, the wide receiver core should be improved with um, Ant- Antonio Gandy-Golding. Uh, Trey Quinn should be healthy this year. Sims flashed last year. Also, Kelvin Harmon just went on IR, which I know is counterintuitive to what I just said, but that does he, he was starting to come on again, towards the end of last season as a rookie, and, and this will open up potentially some targets for, for McLaurin. Um, I've got McLaurin, and this is going to be as spicy as it gets for me, uh, as my wide receiver 12 this season. Whoa. Uh, so, wait, no. You, you said this is as spicy as it gets, and we just came off of you talking about some spiciness with 
with a lot of players, actually. Uh, Nick Chubb? Remember where you ranked Nick Chubb? Remember what we just talked about with Gasick as the top seven? I don't know. When, when I posted my projections, I got a lot of, like, McClure at 12, that's crazy. So, I don't know. Maybe other people just aren't as high on him as I am. Yeah. Well, you know what I love about what you're saying is that his... Um, his growth is a little bit dependent on Dwayne Haskins' growth. Mm-hmm. But I really like Dwayne Haskins for this year for his value, like in terms of what, what you can do with him. Because I really do think the new coaching staff, too, especially mm-hmm. having uh, Turner offensive coordinator and having Ron Rivera as head coach there, I really do think that they can turn Haskins into a, a much better quarterback than mm-hmm. what we saw last year. But the thing is, McLaurin's splits, even with Dwayne Haskins there, were really fucking good. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'm with you. I don't think I'm top 12 with you, but I'm with you. Nice. Well, that's good enough. I'm glad you're with me. (laughs) You'll take it. That's right. I will. So who's your wide receiver? My wide receiver, Sleeper, is the same wide receiver Sleeper that I could put in here every single year. I did not go back last year to see if he was in here last year, so I'm just going to assume that he was. It's Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is always a Sleeper. He is going as wide receiver 29 right now. Wide receiver 29. You know what he finished last year? Wide receiver 12. He was a wide receiver one option for you last year. The year before that, he finished as wide receiver 18. That was his first year on a new offense in Cleveland, which we already talked about how difficult that is for wide receivers coming over the transition. He made that transition look pretty good, mm-hmm. honestly. Year before that, wide receiver 5. Wide receiver 5 the year before that. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 13 of the year before that. My point is, this guy is never, ever, ever going to finish, barring injury, substantial injury, as wide receiver 29. So it's ridiculous. And I understand that there are sexier names available. And if you want to talk about drafting for perceived upside, you know, he's a consistent guy. Mm -hmm. He might not do a ton of boom weeks like, uh, you know, some of these, like a DK Metcalf would, for example. But he is going to get you... At year's end, you're going to be looking at another fringe wide receiver one again, and you're leaving those points, those guaranteed points, until wide receiver 29 and ADP. I just think it's silly. It's just outright silliness. So is he the true number one on that team, not OBJ? No, no, I would never say that. But he can coexist with OBJ. Well, I guess it, I guess it depends on what you mean when you say true number one. True number one for real life or true number one for fans? For fantasy, is he going to be the number one scoring wide receiver on that team? No, but I think he'll be very close to OBJ. I'm I'm high on OBJ as well this year. I know a lot of people are not. I I think OBJ is a fringe wide receiver one. I think Jarvis Landry is also a fringe wide receiver one. So you have this as a very high-powered offense then, huh? For those two. I'm less, like, I am slowly cooling on Austin Hooper. um, Although the David Njoku news kind of salvaged that a little bit. I'm actually more nervous that the running backs are going to eat them, eat themselves like we talked about. Uh, but I actually do think that these wide receivers can flourish. I'm not, ex- let me correct. I, I don't expect both of these guys to be actual wide receiver ones. I think that's outrageous, but I think they both have the potential to definitely be within that range. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it does depend on Jarvis's injury though. I think maybe I'm hoping that's why his ADP is this atrocious is because people are still waiting to see him come back look healthy, get the workout tape out there on Twitter so that mm-hmm. people can see, oh, yeah, he's healthy. He's still going to get 100 targets, and he's going to be great for PBR. Absolutely. 
So we'll move on to our running backs here. Unless you have something more to say here about, about Jarvis. No, I could talk for days about Jarvis Landry, but I won't. All right. So my running back is Todd Gurley. He is currently RB15 off the board. All he's done throughout his career is produce. He has scored double-digit touchdowns the last three seasons. He's averaged 14 rushing touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns over the past three seasons. He finished as the RB14 last year. I know, outside the top top 12. But the Rams' offense as a whole last year was just off. For whatever reason, uh, all, all, all the stars had, had down seasons uh, uh, last year. For whatever reason... You know, Goff took a step back. The offensive line got worse there. And it's just, it was just a bad year for whatever reason. He's still only 25 years old, so he's 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 in his prime. I know he's got the arthritic knee. I'm not overly concerned about that, at least for this season. Uh, he got through last year relatively healthy. You didn't really see a step back as far as the injury popping up and, and, and being a hindrance. I really love Atlanta's offense this year. Uh, and a lot of what I'm saying is, is going to be, uh, spoiler alert, talked about with my quarterback here in Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, he Last year, Atlanta averaged eight and a half targets a game to the running backs, where the Rams were only averaging four targets a game to the running backs. You could argue that Atlanta has a better wide receiver core, would you agree with that, Jay? Yeah. 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 I, I honestly think you could put argument pretty sound. Yeah. Uh, tight ends. Hayden Hurst, probably better than Higby slash Everett. Yeah. You, you'll go with that. Well, you're going to get so much hate for that. Out of, again, we were just fucking bringing the hate heat That's upon fine. us, apparently. Bring there it are on. Who love Higby and love yeah. Everett in I, I am not a Higby believer, I'm more of the Everett believer. But uh, uh, I digress. So, I mean, it's not like the skill position players are vastly different. Uh, or, or you, could, you could argue that Atlanta's offense is more high-powered than the Rams' offense. You could argue it. I'm not saying it's 100%, but you can make those comparisons. It's not like the it, it's, it's completely different where he's going to another offense where he is going to be the main focus on the offense. No, it's going to be split around a bunch of other skill position players. So I just don't see how he finishes. I, I, I've i got him inside my top 10 for running backs this season. I think he's going to bounce back. He's going to have a great season. I, I just, I don't understand. It, I, the, the one knock against him last year is that his um, yards per carry went way down uh, compared to his historical average. But their offensive line was so beat up last year. And we know Atlanta's going to have... Uh, five first rounders on their offensive line this year. So it's going to be good. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I think people are aptly named. They're sleeping on them. I, I think with the injury and going to a new team, I, I, I think that they, they feel like the best days are behind them. And then for redraft, I think he's going to be a really good option this year. Yeah, I, I fully agree. We've talked about this in the past too, about readjusting. In fact, we just talked on last episode uh, about our redraft strategies, about adjusting your dynasty frame of mind to fit redraft because it mm-hmm. is it, it's a, a hurdle, a mental hurdle sometimes to have to do. But you have to do it to find these kind of values because yeah, I probably don't want Todd Gurley two years from now, but do I want him this year? Fuck yeah, <laughs> like I'm all about it. Absolutely. So, who's your running back? My running back. Sleeper for 2020 is Mark Ingram. 
I was all about Mark Ingram on Twitter about a month or two ago when his ADP was RB19. I was flocking to Mark Ingram then. Since then, his ADP has dropped even further. He's now RB27. Mark Ingram B, I know. That (laughs) is criminal. That is criminal. It's ridiculous. He has quickly become whatever your definition of zero RB is for your draft. He should be the figurehead for that. Because if you can get Mark Ingram at RB27, that opens up so many opportunities for you at your other skill positions. And you can still have a guy who is fucking crushing, crushing every year. Mark Ingram has has an age that scares people. 30 going on 31, that scares people for mm-hmm. running backs. And I get it, because you see the LaShawn McCoys coming and, and have that happen, so I get it. But his age is not appropriate for the amount of carries that he's had in his career. Three of his best seasons have come after the age when running backs start to decline. He's 27. His three best seasons are after that. His, his finishes these last few years, last year, RB11. Year before that, RB32, he missed a, a few games there, did not look great. Year before that, RB6, year before that, RB8. If you can, if you can project an RB1 level season for him, which I can, then it's stupid that he's all the way down there in, in ADP for RB27. Mm-hmm. I'm not that worried about J.K. Dobbins this year. After this year, hell yes, I'm worried about J.K. Dobbins. He's the truth. He's going to come in for dynasty purposes. Uh, be ready to either hold Ingram until he dies on your bench or ship him off now if you're worried about beyond this year. But, um, again, abbreviated offseason, difficulty adjusting for rookies. And you're paying the man. You're paying Mark Ingram. He's on the contract. He can't get out of it. There's too much dead cap for them to escape it. Mm-hmm. It would be unreasonable for them to worry about that. Give Mark Ingram, Ingram the ball. Let him do what he's done under the radar for so many years, which is just crush his ADP. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that is just criminal that, that he's getting drafted that late. Uh, he's never been a bad producer. Even when he's he's had split backfields his entire career, basically. And he's always been, at minimum, a mid-range RB2. High high to mid-range RB2 all those years. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, he's got a lot of tread left on the tires. I think that is criminal. And I will be picking him up late in drafts if that continues all day long. All day long. Heck yes. Heck yes. All right. We've alluded to it before this. That's right. You've tempted us with spoilers. Who's your QB sleeper? So I've got Matt Ryan as my QB sleeper this year. Uh, he is currently the eighth quarterback off the board. So he's well within the top 10. I think he's going to surpass that. He, I got to say it, it, it's it's the bouncing, the bouncing back and forth years. Uh, he, last year was his off year. This year is is the year where he bounces back. And it is in the top five for quarterbacks. Uh, it's the teeter powder. It is. It is. Uh, but what I really like about it is it's the second year with Cotter back as the offensive coordinator. Uh, the first year, I know they had him before, but there's still an adjustment period to that. Oh, uh, my God. Why have we not made the welcome back Cotter joke before with him returning oh, to that team? We totally missed that last offseason. God, we're the worst. I'm sorry to interrupt, but okay. No, no. Back. that's that. That was... Well deserving an interruption. Fuck, fuck, man, we missed right. out. All right, let's try and retroactively. That's right. Does anybody know how to change the timestamps on tweets so that we can pretend we said it last <laughs> year? 
so Connor's back as you know second second year as the OC in the offense. As I previously said, Todd Gurley coming in, who is going to be an upgrade over Devonta Freeman in that backfield. Freeman was hurt. They had just a ragtag of other guys coming out trying to fill that void when he couldn't play. They they're off once very high powered and. Something I found interesting, which I think should change this year. I think I, th- I think it'll change, which can only help them. Uh, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, but they were in a lot of negative game scripts last year. And and I just, I don't think that allowed them to run the offense they really wanted to run, uh, where he couldn't be as efficient and they couldn't run s- certain plays that they wanted to. Uh, so I see that changing this year. Uh, where the offense is just going to be a little bit more cohesive and, and comfortable. And again, you've got the all-pro Julio Jones on one side, the overdrafted Calvin Ridley on the other. <laughs> and I, it, it's it's going to be his year. I just And in the NFC South, all it is is high-powered offenses with New Orleans. you got Tampa Bay. Carolina's going to have to play to keep up. I mean, they've got offensive weapons on their team, so it's it's they're going to have to score points in that division, at least, if, if they want to make it to the playoffs. So, uh, that's why I like Matt Ryan this season. I fully agree. I am team Matt Ryan this year. He was my QB3 in rankings, just below Mahomes and Lamar Woo! Jackson. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I think it really can happen, and I love what you're talking about with, with the offense and running it the way that they want to run it. Um, which I firmly believe is going to be crazy pass heavy again. <laughs> the thing that is great about it is their division has gotten all fucking topsy turvy because there's mm-hmm. been major changes to every single team in their division. Tom Brady coming in for the Bucks and, and Teddy B taking over in Carolina. And there's all this assumptions that that's going to make all these teams better. A, if it does, then great. Because then it will put them in more competitive game scripts. You don't have to keep throwing. But if it happens like I expect uh, that it will, these defenses are going to be in trouble too for those teams that had all this turnover. Right. And Matt Ryan and his crew have stayed consistent. Like Mm -hmm. there hasn't been any changes outside of Todd Gurley. And the running back is the easiest to shoehorn in at least. So Mm -hmm. in terms of overscale, you know, grand changes, to those offenses, Atlanta has has been hit the least. So you got to like that. All right. Well, take us home here, Jake. Who is your quarterback you, sleeper? Are you ready? I was born this? ready. My quarterback sleeper for 2020 is Ryan Fitzmagic. And if I could put him in every positional slot, I would have. If I could have made him my running back sleeper, my wide receiver sleeper, and just glossed over all that, I would have, because I want to talk about nothing else than Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. The obvious assumption is that Fitzpatrick loses his job to him. We already talked about it early in the episode. I don't believe that that's going to be the case, at least for the first half of the season. Beyond that, it's anybody's guess. And right. they, they find you were men. And great. Cool. But Fitzpatrick is being taken as the QB31, a.k.a. not at all drafted, um, he is being taken behind Tyrod Taylor, behind Tua himself. He's being taken behind Derek Carr. He's being taken behind Sam Darnold. I want him above all of those guys. Mm-hmm. I want him to actually stay at his ADP because that just means he is my last round pick uh, in a league. 
And if I could get a, a reasonably short quarterback that's going to play all 16 and then get Fitzpatrick, you bet your ass I'm going to do that. Because here's what his stats looked like last year in that garbage offense that we're talking about. The, the earlier part of the year was strange because they tried to make Josh Rosen happen. And then when they realized that that wasn't going to happen, they bailed. So it's an on and off thing for the first three weeks. But from week seven, when Fitzpatrick took over the reins again officially and kept them through the end of the year, he was the QB2. The QB2, not a QB2. He the. was just behind Lamar Jackson. He was on pace for 4,500 passing yards. A 26 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. As you know, he loves to hurl it. But that does not look as bad as what you would expect from somebody who just fucking lost it down the field on every other play. Mm-hmm. As we already talked about, Preston Williams was out for the majority of the season. He only had Williams for three games to work with. Three games. The rest of the time, he was relying on Parker and Albert Wilson and whichever Isaiah was there. It was not good. Um... The addition of Jordan Howard tempers things just a little bit for me because he's a competent running back who doesn't catch the ball. Mm-hmm. He will, I think those numbers that I just put out there, while they should wow you, I don't think you should expect those exact numbers here going forward, uh, however many games he plays. But I do think that that range is what you should be expecting. I think that the games that he starts, you can lock him in as a very frustrating QB1. Mm-hmm. Meaning that yes, you're going to get frustrated because he will throw probably a game where he has three interceptions. But the rest of those games, he's going to wow you with these kind of numbers. And so you just have to take that L, okay, by adding him in the last round. Mm-hmm. All right. I love it. Yeah, I love him, especially early in the season. Uh, I haven't quite looked at the schedules to see what the strength of schedule is kind of early in the season. Uh, I have to imagine... Uh, if, if for some reason with COVID, the NFL has to make some adjustments to the schedule, that they would focus more on the divisional games as opposed to right. some of the non-conference games and things like that. Uh, so I kind of like that because chances are you with the Jets, um, you know, the Bills, maybe. Uh, well, I don't love him playing New England. That's the worst thing I've ever here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't hate that. Uh Especially early in the season. Like, I think he can be very serviceable. Probably the first half of the season. I I don't know if he's going to play all 16 games or start all 16 games. Uh, I really think it depends on how fast Tua picks up the playbook and and how how much they're winning. I would suppose if they're actually winning games, they would probably keep Fitzpatrick in and just let Tua sit on the bench and, and gain more experience that way, learning from the sidelines. But if they're losing a lot of games, I'm sure the fans will be clamoring for Tua saying, put in the new shiny toy. Let's see what happens there. There's no harm in it at this point. Can I be honest? I think Miami has done an incredible job, whether they intended to do it or not, of hedging themselves in Mm -hmm. this scenario. Because if you're losing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, hey, if you're losing with Fitzpatrick as a fantasy manager, you're still getting points. Oh, absolutely. I don't care if they're losing their games. You're getting points. Mm -hmm. But if they're losing, then they're on their way to getting better draft picks next year, which they need. They have a lot of, and they can use early picks. So then if you're losing, well, let them keep losing. You know, we'll we'll get the picks. Um, Yes, you can say that there will be the the chance for Tua, but I honestly think with the whole COVID situation Mm -hmm. and limited... Uh, people in the stands, you're not going to hear it like you did with Jared Goff in his first year at the Rams, where people were actually chanting for him to come in. Right. So that 
will be tempered. You know, it will be the outside sports world who's talking about it. Mm -hmm. But and if you're winning, like you said, like let the man keep winning because yeah. you you want that. You know. So I honestly think they've kind of done a, a great job of hedging themselves, maybe accidentally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, how do you feel about this episode, Jake? I feel like I, we pissed a lot of people off here, and we're going to get a lot of hate and discon discontent on the Twitter machine. What about you? I know. I'm already bracing myself for that. But we have to speak our truth. This was That's not right. done. This was not done as a clickbait podcast just no. to try and get people around up. This is our honest truth here. We're not going to try and sugarcoat it. We're also not going to lean into it just because. That's right. And and we're not cheap just going with whatever all the other analysts are saying and the, and, and the, the experts out there. Uh, this is what we truly believe based on our research uh, and, and what we feel about this upcoming season. So uh, if you guys hate it, let us know. If you agree with us, let us know. Let's have some good conversation on Twitter. Let's not be mean about it. Let's just have some back and forth, some good conversation. If you disagree with us, tell us why. Let us know. Give us some facts and 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 we'll respond accordingly, and and we can in the end agree to disagree. Uh, but maybe you'll just Dustin that meanness uh, part that does not apply to me talking to you. Correct? I can still on Twitter. I can just fucking rake you over the coals for Mike Kosicki. That's fine. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay, good. Whew. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't lumped in the bed. No, no. When it comes to me, you're exempt. That's fine. All right. All right. I loved it, man. It yeah. was a great, uh, great one. Yeah, let's 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 get out of here. But first, oh, as always, folks, uh, give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, please. Give us the downloads. Uh, listen to us. We do appreciate it. Uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. We are broadcasting live weekly now. Uh, you will get, uh, click the little alarm button. It'll let you know when we do actually go live, so you get the alerts, so you can check check out our uh, beautiful uh, podcasting faces here and uh, you can find me at FFDustyDog on Twitter you can find me at Jake Trowbridge and you can find us at Drinking Fantasy that's right and until next week folks keep drinking and talking fantasy football cheers FFers 